You are listening to The Christian Commute, a commute-length podcast about Christian apologetics, theology, and other matters of Christian interest. Here is your host, Seth Dunn. It is Thursday, February 8th. This is The Christian Commute. I am your host, Seth Dunn. And you are riding with me, leaving a little early today, to Cartersville's Municipal Court. You have heard me, I think, probably if you're a long-time listener, mention my neighbor complaining about my dogs. Well, he has petitioned the court to declare my dogs a nuisance, and I am uh, vigorously opposing that uh, petition, so... uh, I'm going to file some paperwork today on my own. On my own with no lawyer beside me. Because lawyers are expensive. And then I'm going to finish finish the day working from home. I've just all but wrapped up my budget work for the year. And then when my budget work is wrapped up, I can spend March through October doing whatever I want, I guess, until budget time comes around again. So I have a full show for you on the Christian commute on the way to the municipal court here. Today's show title is Outside Overseers. Outside Overseers. I have a question in the inbox about, I don't know, pronouns in the book of Ephesians. And that is my last question in the inbox. There are no other questions in the inbox. I had hopes that Canadian truck driver John was going to send in one, but it was not to be. So if you guys want a full show Friday, better get to writing to SethDunn88 at gmail.com or to dialing 470-315-0875. The Christian Commute is your theological roadside assistance. Matthew chapter 27, verses 41 through 44. There's an annoying rattling in my car. I hope it's not picking up on the microphone. Matthew 27, verses 41 through 44. Uh, Picking up where we left off, Jesus was hanging on the cross and being mocked by passers-by. And they said, you know, if you're really the Son of God, take yourself off that cross. So starting back in verse 41... In the same way, what do you mean, in the same way? In the same way as the other people were mocking him. In the same way, the chief priests also, along with the scribes and elders, were mocking him, saying, He saved others. He cannot save himself. He is the king of Israel. Let him come down from the cross, and we will believe in him. He trusts God. Let God rescue him now. If he delights in him, for he said, I am the Son of God. The robbers who had been crucified with him were also insulting him with the same words. The chief priests and elders said that if Jesus came down the cross, they would believe in him. But that was the exact opposite of Jesus' mission. He was doing the Father's will by drinking the cup of wrath 
serve for him. Think about when the devil was tempting Jesus in the wilderness. And the devil was saying, if you're really the son of God, you do this, do this. And in other words, do this thing you're not supposed to do. That would seem good for you from a worldly sense, but is, is against the cosmic plan of God. You don't think Jesus felt like getting off that cross? He could have. As the old hymn says, he could have called 10,000 angels. He could have. It was within his power to do so, but he didn't because he was submitted to the will of the Father for the plan to atone for the sins of the people. So basically what the chief priests are saying, if you do the thing God does not want you to do, we'll believe in you. He was up there, as I said yesterday, because he was the king of Israel. And they go so far in their mocking as to, to cite Psalm 22 when they say, uh, he trusts God, let God rescue him now. They're alluding to Psalm 22, 22.8. You can go click on that in your Bible app if you want to. It's in all caps in the American Standard. They're using scripture to mock Jesus and in a way tempt him to get down just like the devil did to tempt him to do wrong. And there are those people out there, the Bart Ehrmans of the world, the people and the Muslims of the world who say, well, Jesus never claimed to be the Son of God. Right here. Matthew 27, verses 41 through 44. For he said, I am the Son of God. Why are the priests saying that if Jesus didn't claim to be the Son of God? He did claim to be the Son of God. And he's on the cross because he's the Son of God. God the Father is not saving him from the Romans because of who he is. The chief priests are wicked, the scribes are wicked, and even the robbers who are mocking him are wicked. Now remember, we're doing a vertical reading of this text, not a horizontal reading, so we're not covering the... Uh, for the cry for mercy from the, the thief in Luke. And with that, with that I want to take off this jacket. Work gave me a jacket. It's a down jacket. And I'm really glad to have it. Because it's warm, but I have to take it off in the car because down jackets are hot. So, with that I'll take my jacket off. And then, with that, where are my papers? There they are. With that, I will end the Bible chapter review, and uh, we're going to move on to the inbox. This red light seems longer than usual. Terry from California writes in, in the midst of her accounting busy season out there in California, Terry writes in, she has a question about Ephesians chapter 1. Verses 3 through 12. Now hold on a minute. I got a sticky note in the floorboard. I have to get rid of it. And her question is this. 
Is Paul referring to himself in Ephesians chapter 1 verses 3 through 12 or all believers? Because he's using the language of we, us, we, us. So here's what would be a great thing to do if you'll pause the show and go read Ephesians chapter 1. So pause, unpause, and now you've read it. Does anybody actually do that? If you actually go and read the Bible when I say pause, write me at sethdunn88 at gmail.com and let me know that you actually do. Because I always say that, but I don't know if anybody does. Terry's confusion uh, lies uh, towards verses, or verse 13, or towards verse 12. When Paul talks about when they first believed, when you believed, when you believed. Well, he's been saying we are predestined. We are, we have an inheritance in God in Ephesians. And he seems to be talking about all believers, but then all of a sudden he says you. And Terry's like, well, hold on. Is he ta- is the we, does the we include the Ephesians? What's going on here? Now, there are times when Paul writes an epistle where it's not just him writing. Like, he'll say, Paul and Timothy, we write this. Paul and, Paul and Timothy to so-and-so. So you might think when you read this that Paul is talking about a we himself and Timothy or Silas or whoever's with him in his little group. Or maybe even speaking in the we because he's an apostle. You may think that. I don't think that because I, the letter just says from Paul. It doesn't say from anybody else. So I don't think he's using referring to any type of group. When he says we, I think we, he's talking to Christians as a whole. And I think that does include the Ephesians. Because he's, he, he's recognizing the faith of the Ephesian church, or the churches in Ephesus, and, and saying... Like, you know, we've in, we as Christians, we as God's people, and we've been predestined and we've inherited the kingdom, etc., etc., etc. In the opening of his letter. And I think verse 15, if you wanted uh, Terry to read on down to verse 15, explains that when Paul's talking about hearing of the faith of, faith of the Ephesians. And I think that explains his language when he starts saying you. He's talking generally about all Christians which the Ephesians would be included in and then when he says and when you believed he's talking about their specific occasion of believing which he's heard about which is why he's writing to them to give them instruction so I know the language there can be confusing but I do believe the Ephesians are included in all the spiritual blessings that Paul is is mentioning in verses 3 through 12 even though later he says, and you, when you first believed. I think he's making a point about the time in which they first believed. Because there are all these blessings that all Christians inherit. And they're the kind of things that Paul talks about in verses 3 through 12. All these blessings that Christians have. Well, there was a time when Christians had them and the Ephesians didn't because the Ephesians hadn't believed yet. And then when they believed, they've got them. And it it's even gets a sort of a little more confusing than that, or deeper than that, because Paul's talking about being predestined. So, yeah, there's a point at which you believe, but you were also predestined to believe. So you were going to get them anyway, get all the benefits. I hope that helps, Terry. 
Thanks for riding to the Christian Commute, by the way. If anybody else out there needs any kind of theological roadside assistance, write in, tell me your name, tell me where you're from, and uh, keep it short enough for me to memorize. I think I'm going to uh, promote Terry now to uh, platinum status. You know how you have the airline that you, you get so many sky miles, you get gold, silver, and platinum? When people used to ride in a lot, I'd say, oh, this person's platinum level. I'm going, I'm going to promote Terry to platinum level because she's written in a lot lately. All you other people who haven't heard from in a long time, you lose your status. You can sit outside in the general lounge with everybody. You can sit in the crowded lounge with no free snacks and no first-class upgrades with all those people on commercial air that Kenneth Copeland says are demon-possessed. You can sit out there with them. If this was the kind of show where I raise money, I'd be like, oh, this is from Terry. She's a platinum level, blah, blah, blah. You know, because you could say, give me $10 and you're a gold level. Give me 20 a month and you're a silver level. And then, you know, give me 30 a month and you're a platinum level. And I really appreciate all my platinum level partners. And I just want to recognize some of them right now. People do that. I don't like when people do that. When I was at Expedition Church, we had a guy come in and preach. And I really... It's not because he had a message for us. It was because the pastor, and I, this is my opinion, the pastor took a hospice chaplain job and didn't have time to write sermons anymore. So if anybody else could preach, he'd get him to do it. And he had some missionary come in. And the, the guy wasn't like, a, I wouldn't say he's an endorsed missionary from some missions organization like International Mission Board or uh, Message to the World. I think the Presbyterian International people's like Message to their message to the world, gospel to the world or something like that. And then you know, I have smaller independent ones like Heart Cry, etc, etc. He had his own organization. So I mean are you a missionary if you're sending yourself? I don't really care. But his, his organization was supposed to help I think people being, like orphans or people being sex trafficked in Thailand. Like there's a lot of sexual tourism in Thailand like you can go over there and have sex with any kind of thing you want. Man, woman, boy, girl, whatever. So I think his his ministry was to get those people out of that. Which is really good. Good. But I remember he had, you know, he there's ways you could sponsor him and he had levels. But his weren't gold, silver, and bronze. I think he had pearl. I think it was like pearl or sapphire or something like that. Everybody has their own. I just I see stuff like that and I'm like don't don't market to me that's a device that's a you know I, it's, you, I know you need to raise raise money but if it's for them if, if it's for a mission don't use a device that I want to be the go I want to be the gold level because the Holy Spirit's going to lead me to give charitably to whatever don't don't use devices now. Asterisk. That being said, if you go to my rarely advertised Patreon, there is there are levels on my Patreon. First of all, you can give whatever you want, but there's levels. I think like you can give a tank of gas, you can give an oil change. You know, it's car related expenses because this is the Christian commute. But you guys know I'm not. I'm. When have I ever advertised that? Or said you, you know, I, I, this is the Christian commute, and I'm going 40 miles today, and that's two tanks of gas, and this is six dollars, whatever. 
So, I'm always weary of the people with their levels. Their levels. But when I, I joke around, when, I, when I'm like, oh, you're, you're platinum level. I just make it up. I don't, I don't keep account of when people write in. I just say, well, that, per- that person writes in a lot. They're gold, they're gold platinum super level on the Christian commute. You get nothing. No, there's, there's, no, there's no count. It's just me joking around. All right. Let's move on to the show title, Outside Overseers. Outside Overseers. Let's talk about a much-neglected area of, of Christian doctrine and systematic theology. Ecclesiology. And I think it's really strange because ecclesiology is the reason we have so many different denominations, or at least one of them. And as a Baptist, ecclesiology is a big part of what we call Baptist distinctives. So how do you how do you distinguish Baptists from all the other denominations out there? Is it predestinate belief in predestination? No, because there are Baptists who believe in predestination and Baptists who don't. There's general Baptists, regular Baptists, separate Baptists, uh, and free will Baptists. So there's, is eschatology? No, because there's Baptists who believe all kinds of different eschatology. What's the Baptist distinctive? Hint, baptism. We baptize professed believers by immersion as if there was a different way. That's a Baptist distinctive. The other Baptist distinctive is the independent local church. In other words, there's no bishopric. There's no not even a presbytery over the local church. That is a Baptist distinctive. Now, if you're listening to this show and you're a Methodist or you're a Presbyterian, okay, fine, you're wrong about baptism, but you, you've got a different ecclesiology and you accept that. I get it. So, in ecclesiastical denominations, or we could see, I'm sorry, Episcopal is the word I should use. In Episcopal churches, there's a bishop and a college of bishops and a conference who decides what the local church does, who has authority over that local church. In Presbyterianism, there's a presbytery that individual churches send elections or, or presbyters to the presbytery, and they're elected, I guess, and then the presbytery decides the rules, and then that's binding on the church down below at the local church level. That's not how Baptist churches work. Baptist churches are independent. There's no presbyters or bishops overseeing them. Okay? And by the way, one such church, since I'm at exit 312, that confuses ecclesiology is Rockbridge Community Church. Go to whyrockbridge.com. If you want to see why you should not go to this seeker-sensitive, life-coaching, quasi-Baptist church, okay? And um, why, why, why do I bring that up? Well, number one, because I'm doing my whyrockbridge.com. You can donate to whyrockbridge.com. You, my spiel, because I'm passing that exit, or the exit where Rockbridge Calhoun is. There's many of them. So Rockbridge was founded in Dalton. 
And then they opened campuses in Calhoun and uh, Ringgold and Hickson and, and, and Cleveland and Chatsworth. But there's no other church over Rockbridge, right? Say so it's Rockbridge and Hillsong, if you want to take like a, at a big level, when these, when these independent churches start opening up multiple campuses, they kind of become their own denomination. Like the United Methodist Church is one church with little churches everywhere. So when you have one of these independent churches that's founded by some dude, because this is America and we have freedom of religion, and any anybody out there who's just some dude can found a church, and they open up campuses, it becomes like its own little denomination. But a Baptist distinctive is that each local church is independent. So Rockbridge doesn't have, they probably had that Baptist distinctive when it was one location, but now the people in Chatsworth can't say they have that Baptist distinctive because there's an overseer at a home campus. But I'm not even, when I talk about this new thing of, it's new, this thing of outside overseers, I'm not even talking about multi-campus stuff. Because even these multi-campus churches at the main campus, they have it. Okay. But going back, a Baptist distinctive. You baptize professed believers by immersion because there's no other way to baptize anybody because that's what baptizo means. Submerge. Immerse. And your church is independent. Boom. If, if those distinctions don't mean anything to you, it's probably because you're A, a Methodist, or B, a Presbyterian, or I guess I could say Episcopal, because there's lots of Episcopal denominations. Anglican Church. United Methodists. If you want to count Roman Catholics as a true church, which I don't, but they're Episcopal in their ecclesiology. And then you have Presbyterians, which have the Presbyterian. So you're either not a Baptist if you don't care about that Baptist distinctive, or you're just really poorly educated in ecclesiology. And I would say most people are just really poorly educated in ecclesiology and don't care about that distinctive. There were times in history where those distinctives were big, controversial things. They made a big deal. But now, I guess that time has passed because we are into a consumeristic mindset of church. Hold on. Let me pass this white car that finally got out of the left lane. So if it's not from Florida, it is from... Indiana? I think these license plate frames that cover up the state and the county should be illegal. Probably are. Anyway, now that I'm past them. Here's what these entrepreneurial churches have taken to do. Appointing outside overseers. So let's go to the biblical office of pastor slash overseer slash elder. Now, there are those denominations that believe those are separate offices. So you may have a priest. Let's let's use the Roman Catholics because it's easy and popular. You have a priest at the local church level. He's the pastor of that church. But then above him, you have a bishop. And a bishop is different than a pastor. The bishop has oversight over pastors. Episcopos overseer. So there's this idea in Episcopal ecclesiology that the Episcopos 
the overseer is a separate office from the poimen pastor or presbyteros elder. That the overseer oversees many churches, not just the activities of one church. That is not Baptist ecclesiology. I'm not arguing that one way is right or wrong. I'm just telling you that's not Baptist ecclesiology. Baptist ecclesiology is pastor, elder, and overseer is the same thing. Go look at the Baptist Faith and Message 2000. It literally says that. So if you've grown up in an independent or Baptist church, the idea that there's an overseer who has authority over your church, who's not a member of your local church, is completely foreign. Now there have been in rural areas Baptist pastors who are pastors of more than one church. I don't really agree with that, but that has happened. But the idea that there's some outside guy is like not been Baptist ecclesiology. Well, here's what's happened with these entrepreneurial churches. They don't have voting membership, by and large. So when somebody plants a church, they get three or four people they know to serve as their fellow elders, and they, they plant a church and people start coming, and it either grows or it doesn't. Like Tim Samples started Expedition Church. I don't think it's ever going to be more than 50 giving units, if it has that now. But Matt Evans started Rockbridge, and now it's huge. Same thing with Crosspoint. Some guy named, uh, I can't pronounce, Michael Sujalweski. I, I, I can't pronounce his name, but if you go to whycrosspoint.com, you'll see it. So some guy founded that with a small group, and it's grown into multi-campus. And this happens everywhere. But one thing you'll notice is that these churches don't have voting membership, by and large. Why? Because they're essentially the small businesses of the entrepreneurs who start them. I talk about Roland Springs, the demonic church of Freemasonry, all the time. It's been there for 150 years, okay? If 50 people wanted to take over that church, they could. So, Roland Springs has a traditional Baptist ecclesiology. And that once you're accepted as a member, you can vote on, on church things and you can participate in the church conference. At that church, this is probably typical of a lot of Baptist churches, not every member shows up to the quarterly church conference. About 20 giving units show up to the conference. So if 20 new or 30 new families joined with those 30 votes, they could basically take over as a voting block. This almost never happens in Baptist world, but per the bylaws and per the books, it could. Now, the people who are these little church plants know this, and they also know they're going to get disaffected people. Church planters know they're going to get people who couldn't get along in the churches that were already there in town. This is the case of church planting. You know, if some church planter goes out west to some town in Wyoming with no Baptist church, that's different. But if you're planting churches around here where there's already a blue million churches, you know you're going to, you're going to get some people who you know, are just want to be there legitimately... You know, they're not, they're, there's no bad blood with any them and any other churches in town. They're just there. But there's some people who can't get on at other churches, and they want to go there for power and take over, and that's probably why they get kicked out of where they work. So what these churches will do, these entrepreneurial church plants, is they will sacrifice ecclesiology and the priesthood of all believer, and they won't have voting members. So that they'll call people members in the family, but there'll be no voting membership. Those people really have no say in who the elders are, what the pastor does. There's no say. They can vote with their feet. They can vote with their wallet. They'll be consulted a lot of times, but they don't have any formal power. 
think, think about the idea of the Jews who were rioting when Jesus was about to be crucified. The Jews didn't have any formal power before Herod to say who gets crucified or not. But Herod, sensing that there was going to be a riot, crucified Jesus because that's what the people wanted. So that's the same idea of informal power, even though if that's an extreme example that you get at these churches with no voting membership. It's basically whatever the market will bear. You, you don't have any formal power at McDonald's or Burger King, but if they cut the size of hamburgers in half and charge, twi- charge double, you'll stop going. So they got to do it slow. Unfortunately, they can't do that. When you say this is a quarter pounder with cheese, it's always going to be a quarter pounder. Anyway, these entrepreneurial church business guys, church planners, they don't want anybody to take their baby. They've, that's their church. They've planted it. And they don't want it taken over by a bunch of lay people or a bunch of people who didn't plan it. But there's this expectation that, well, there needs to be overseers. And the local church isn't electing them. Who are they going to be? Here's a trend. And I think this trend started with Perry Noble and Stephen Furtick. But I've seen it in uh, 901 Church in Memphis. Stevie Flockhart's church. And I've seen the guy at Crosspoint participating in it and associating with people who do. If you go to one of these church plants, these entrepreneurial, independent churches, oftentimes multi-campus, that some guy just started, he'll be the founding pastor, and there'll be a board of overseers that are not members at the local church. And if you look those guys up, they're pastors of other churches. And if you look up their churches, they're just more entrepreneurial church plants. So you kind of get five or ten guys who start their own church and they get popular in their own city. They make friends on the speaking circuit with other people who do the same business and they say, hey, you be an overseer of my church, I'll be an overseer of your church. But when you go to the website, it says, look, our church is overseen by these various pastors. And you think, okay, there's real oversight there. Like, no! Number one, that is a completely novel idea of ecclesiology. You just made it up. That there's these overseers from totally different independent churches, not even in the same denomination because you're non-denominational. You have no formal relationship with them on paper. They're just overseers of your church. And a lot of times, this was the case with Stevie Flockhart's church, these outside overseers don't really have any formal power. They're just an advisory panel. And they're all buddies with one another. And the, listen... The members or family or whoever of of that local church that they're overseers of don't have any formal or informal influence over the outside people. So if you've got a guy in Atlanta who is the overseer of a church in Chattanooga, the Chattanooga guy could start screwing up and making people mad in Chattanooga, they don't have formal power, formal authority, but they can leave. Well, that doesn't hurt the guy in Atlanta. They're not leaving his church. You see? There's no accountability there. There's no real oversight. It's faux oversight. A lot of these elders, or sorry, overseers, they don't use the term elder. A lot of these overseers, these outside overseers, sometimes they use the term elder, have no formal or legal authority over the church they're supposedly overseeing. They're just this advisory council. It's there for looks. And if you dig deep enough, everybody is on everybody else's council. By the way, you'd never get, you'd never get away with this in like the CPA world where I'm from. 
because your independence would be compromised. Like, I'm not allowed to audit a company that I own stock in because my independence would be compromised. I just left my office. There's a bunch of auditors there. Our company just can't give them all these big gifts because then their independence would be compromised. But what you have in this this new culture of overseers, of, of outside overseers, pastors of other entrepreneurial church plants, other ayatollahs of rock and rolla, it's just a cabal. It's it, it's a way of them making of, of monetizing one another. Oh, brother so and so is going to speak at our church, and then we're going to speak at her. He's one of our overseers. Nobody here voted for him. That's not the biblical idea of overseer. Listen, that's not the Methodist idea. That's not the Presbyterian idea. That's not the Baptist idea. It's it's novel. It's made up to fit the current business model of consumer Ayatollah of Rock and Roller Church that, that's being popular now. And because people are completely ignorant about ecclesiology, because churches don't teach it, by and large, they say, oh, overseer, oh, they have overseers. The Bible talks about overseer. They got overseers right there on the website. That's not what the Bible says an overseer is. And that's not what 2,000 years of church history has indicated that an overseer is. Churches have gotten so far away from teaching people what it is to be a Baptist or a Methodist or a Presbyterian. Catechism. Like, people don't even pay attention. They don't care. And I've been talking about this on the Christian Commute for a long time. I mean, you can go to episode three or four of this show, and I'll talk about talking to my neighbor. I said, well, where do you go to church? And she goes, well, you know, when I want to be seen and see people, I go to Sam Jones because that's where I grew up. But, you know, if any other Sunday, I'm just going to go to Cross Point. And one's Methodist and one's faux Baptist. You don't give a flip. You don't give a flip about covenant. If you're a member of Sam Jones, aren't you in covenant relationship with those people? Shouldn't you go there every Sunday? Almost without fail? And if you're just going to go because it's what you like, you're going to go to Cross Point? Well, they're not going to they're not going to sprinkle your baby for you. But they don't care. Listen, Cross Point knows they don't care. When you get into the Cross Points, Rock Bridges, 901s, Elevations, and uh, what's Perry Noble's church? New Springs of the world. They know people don't care. They're coming out of other churches with no idea about ecclesiology because the churches that they grew up in didn't teach ecclesiology. They, they taught church growth. Youth go out on Wednesday and invite everybody to a pizza party. Now let's get their parents. Now let's tell them they got a tithe. Now let's tell them they've got a serve. We're not going to take one minute to explain why we're different than the Presbyterians and Methodists. People literally used to get killed over this. Did you know that Lutherans killed more Baptists during the time uh, after the Reformation than Romans killed Christians in the Colosseum over the controversy of baptism? Did you know that? The first Baptists were risking their lives to be Baptists. And they said, we're going to be this way because this is what the Bible says. Now you have, I'm glad nobody's killing anybody over it anymore. But now you have people who just don't care. 
And the powers that be at crossbridge.lovepoint, whatever you want to call it, Life Point, Cross Bridge, Love Point, Cross Point, Rock Bridge, Rock Point, Cross Point. Whatever they name the Ayatollah Rock and Roller Church, Elevation Hillsong, the, the powers that be there making big money and being popular and growing numbers, they know nobody who shows up cares about ecclesiology. They have a blank check. They can do whatever they want, whatever people will, here, here it is, whatever people will tolerate. And they already have people who tolerate a, 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 an ecclesiology that's bereft of, of biblical uh, correctness. It, 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 it can't be, be bereft. It's, it's practically non-existent. I heard the guy from Crosspoint preaching the other day about baptism, and he didn't even stress that to be really baptized, you had to be immersed. He said, well, that's just what we do here. We believe that, but, you know, some of you may have had a different baptism. No, it's not even real baptism. What in the world? This seems sort of ba backwards, really. Because I know Ayatollah of Rock and Roll Campus Church, the people who go there, by and large don't care. They don't have low standards. So why am I trying to warn them? Why am I trying to educate them? Hey, watchman on the wall, all you got to do is yell out. If they don't respond, that's on them. But it's on you if you don't yell out. So be on the lookout. For the churches in your town who have outside elders and be on the lookout for those local churches who want to change their bylaws from congregational rule to elder rule and then the congregation doesn't get to decide who the elders are. I'm not condemning elder rule where the members of the church appoint the elders. And then the elders just do everything instead of having some blue million committees okay that's that's i can't stand committees and no one no one would listen no one would ever want to be on a committee with me and that's sad because all my ideas would be better than theirs <laughs> i'm just not a committee guy okay but hear me i'm not condemning the committee people i'm not condemning the people who elect elders i'm saying Watch out for the people trying to make it where you're a church member and you're expected to serve and give, but you don't have any say over how the church is run. That's people trying to take power, money, and influence. And it's creating congregations who just don't care. And if you don't believe we have a bunch of congregations who just don't care, walk into XYZ Baptist Church on Sunday and listen to them play Hillsong. Or listen to somebody preach life coaching. Thanks for listening to the Christian Commute. Lord willing, I'll be back with you again tomorrow. Tomorrow's ping pong day at work, but my leg is probably still too bad for me to play. I guess I'll just get more work done. As always, God bless, and as always, remember, Christianity is not about getting saved. It's about being saved. Thanks for listening to The Christian Commute. Please send your questions about Christian apologetics and theology to sethdunn88 at gmail.com. If you are not a Christian, please remember that you can be reconciled to God through the shed blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. 
The Bible teaches that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Repent of your sins now and accept Jesus as Lord. God bless.